Thanks for joining us for the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast, a podcast to enrich your soul, where we have conversations with inspiring people about all things property, business, and life. And now, the host of Small Talk Big Ideas, Ian Ugarte. Hey there, today on Small Talk Big Ideas, I talked to Rebecca Simon, who I reached out to because she did what most people should do when they're feeling like they should go and sit on a beach. She sold everything and moved to Fiji. How about you listen to her story and maybe it'll give you a second thought about whether you should do that too. As always, you can follow us on all the social media channels and enjoy today's episode of Small Talk Big Ideas. Well, first let me start. I normally start with where you grew up and um and so where were you born where did you grow up uh i was born in adelaide australia right and um yeah so i pretty much lived there my whole life up until three years ago right and so um local school private school like was it you know a standard living you know did you you have your struggle for for costs every week yeah, well, I grew up in a very poor family um, and where my mum and dad struggled. So my dad was um, pretty much an alcoholic. So he didn't work. He, you know, stayed up till three in the morning and got up at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so my mum had to go out and do two jobs. So we grew up very poor, very, you know, I had to grow up very, very fast <laughs> and right. being the eldest child. And uh, and so I think I had my first job when I was 12 years old, riding the bike around the streets and collecting the money for the advertiser. Oh, really? Um, so yes. how, how did it come to pass um, your parents? Do you have a good relationship with them still or none at all? Uh, my father is upstairs, yep. in <laughs> so in heaven. <laughs> uh, so he died uh, 10 years ago now. Um, and my mum, yes, I'm very, very close to my mum. I have a brother and sister. My mum, they're all living in Adelaide still. Um, and, you know, thank God for FaceTime because it keeps us, you know, connected with the but, you know, with the family and the cousins. And so my children can still have a relationship with their cousins and, you know, well, especially while there's no traveling over the last year. Isn't that amazing? Like I, um, amazing? I, I did some time in TAFE, New South Wales, and I end up pretty high up in management. But I remember saying to my institute director in 2008, I think it was, I said to her, we're going to start being able to assess students on site while they're working by a video conference and she looked at me as if I had a, another head and yet here we are you know only a 10 years and a bit more later and and we're doing what we're doing like this is just amazing isn't it absolutely uh the world has evolved and uh yeah it's certain it's so important to keep up with that and and evolve yourself at the same time as the world's evolving and yeah. you know growing constantly learning every single day did it so um and you're exactly right and i, and I think you know we, we talk a bit more about that in a second can i go back to your father did you get any resolution like how how did you handle when was the realization that maybe you know he could have been better to be able to support the family and did you get any resolution with him before he passed yeah, that's a hard one because, um, you know, being the eldest child, I've always have 
had to grow up very, very fast. So I looked after my father. So I put him into uh, rehab for six months and I noticed a huge change. Um, and he was loving life again. He was loving himself. Um, you know, he was just in a, it's a vicious cycle. You know, when you get into anxiety and depression, it becomes a vicious cycle. And the only way out is, you know, to wake up in the morning and have that glass of wine and that would take his, you know, the nerves away and that anxiety away. Um, and so when he, when he came out of rehab, he went back to his old ways. Um, and so he died very unexpectedly. Um, his platelets got low. He didn't go in for a top up into the hospital and it was just like a split second and it just went to his brain and he just passed away. But he always said he never wanted to live past 50. He was scared of getting old. Um, I come from a family where he's one of seven brothers. One of them, and they came out from Liverpool uh, when they were all in their early teens. And one of them was a very famous drummer in a band called Cold Chisel. Uh, so that was my father's brother. And so we kind of grew up in a very rock and roll drinking lifestyle um, and so yeah for me I was put in front of that very early and I, even though I tried to get my dad out of that vicious cycle it never you know you, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink unless they want to drink themselves and he never really wanted to drink he never wanted to grow old and this was his way out just drinking himself to the to death um, and so I guess for me the closure was I knew that I knew in my heart that I did everything I could to help him um, and yeah, and I've done a lot of work on myself and my, in my personal development journey to, to understand all that too. Yeah, certainly fixing that six-year-old um, that you know, took on so much. What, um, finished school, what was the first jobs that you did? So first job age 12 was riding my bicycle around the neighbourhood to collect the money for the advertiser. And then at age 15, I got a job at Target or yeah. <laughs> Target and uh, so I was cutting material in the Manchester department. Uh, I got offered a like a, a manager's position uh, when I was about nine, uh, maybe 17 but my mum said absolutely no you get out of you leave you know if you get into that that's it for you you know what I mean you'll just stay in retail for the rest of your life and there's not much movement there so I saw year 12 out uh, and was very blessed to be able to get a government um, traineeship. Um, and so what it was, it was you, they give you a job for three days a week and they, you go to TAFE for two days a week. So I got a, like a clerical traineeship with the government. So I went to the a country hospital, not far from where I lived. Um, and then two days a week, I was at the TAFE learning, you know, business and stuff like that. So. Yep. I did that for a year and that, that hospital offered me a position at the end of it. So that was really great. And then I worked my way up through many hospitals. So I've probably been in about three or four hospitals um, until I got to a point where I was at the highest I could go. I met my husband um, and then he was a tradesman. So he was a cabinet maker by trade. Um, and at that point when we met, we both decided to um, I was in another government position, uh, pretty high up by then, um, and we decided to start our own business. So we um, started a company called Mass Installations, which is um, a service to the trade. So we were kind of really disrupted the building industry uh, 13, probably 17 years ago now, and we owned that company for 13 years, and we built that up to turn over, you know, quite a few million dollars a year. Um, 
uh, but we just absolutely hated what we did for a living. Um, you know, just so how were you? How were you a disruptor? What did you do to disrupt? Well, you know, obviously, you, companies go out there. They start they like a kitchen company, and then they hire staff, and then those staff generally make the the, the cabinets or the fit outs, and then they go on site and then they install it. So they go to like the bank or the hospital or the residential homes. And so we started an installation company where we said, okay, well, this is gonna um, zero overhead cost for us because we're not making any of the stuff. Uh, and then it's a win-win because these companies now that we can work for all of the companies around South Australia. So they're going to make all the, the fit outs and do the cupboards and the cabinetry. And then we send our team in and we do the installation work for them. So their staff can stay on site, still get more work done because they can stay in the factory and pump out more work. And we go out on site and we do the installation work. So um, yeah, and it ended up taking off and you know a lot of companies around south australia used our services which meant our business grew and we had to expand our team and it was great being a being a builder by trade i'm just thinking from the install component on your side you must have had some really good systems and processes because if someone's measured up made the cabinets you turn up on site and they're not going to fit the space like how often did that come up like how like is there any was there ever a job where you turned up and went oh that worked out quite nice yeah like it did like we worked with pretty good quality uh businesses but yeah you always get that but you always i mean you just allow for that and you say okay so this is wrong get us this by this date we'll come back and it's just a, a defect so then we charge them to come back and then right. do that last defect and the, you know and so it's another service so it sounded like you end up end up being um administration managers of a business which you really didn't like because your husband mustn't have been on the tools anymore yeah, so we grew up, we grew that business up to be huge to the point of my husband was able to play golf. We had systems, we had you know, everything in place where he could go play golf, check on a few sites, make a few calls to the boys during the day and happy days. And then 2008, the global financial hit us and uh, that's when we had to downsize quite fast. And then we had to, um, Michael had to get back on the tools again. And that was just, he'd, he'd had a taste of some lifestyle. And uh -huh. then he said, Beck, I can't do this till I'm 75. Like I can't yeah. be back on the tours yeah. again. So that was when we, um, I guess that's when our life completely turned around when we started something completely different. And we started our personal development journey at the same time. And life took a complete different turn for us. Okay, so you had to downsize and it's really heartbreaking when you'd have to downsize because you obviously got to get rid of family, literally, um, you know, to a point where they feel like your brother, sisters and, you know, you're, you know they, they've got mortgages and whatever and you've got to make some tough decisions based on your survival. Um, that's a bit of an upheaval to start with. So personal development wise, what was your start? Like, was there a mentor? What, what, what direction did you take? Yeah, so it all started when we uh, we took our company, like we grew it again from that global financial crisis. That's when we decided, okay, we need a coach. So, you know, you can take advice off all the people around you, but are they where you want to be? No. So let's take advice off someone who's where we want to be. We went out, we sought a great business coach. Um, I think it was called Action International back then. And we had, uh, I think from the Brad Sugar days. And uh, so we, we had him come out and he, you know, charged us a fortune. And 
gave us tasks each week of what we had to do for our marketing, our systems, our procedures again, just everything to rebuild. Um, and uh, so that's that's when he then introduced us to personal development and said, well, but read this book, guys, I reckon you'll like it. And then he said, do you know this guy called Tony Robbins? And we're like, nope. Oh, and uh, and he said, well, you know, you've got to look into this guy. He's running a big conference um, in Sydney um, in a few months and you guys should get a ticket and go. It'll change your life. And so my husband and I were like, mm, should we go? Should we not? And then we decided, yeah, right, let's, let's go. Why not? You know get out to Sydney, hit the bars and clubs afterwards, why not? And uh, and then that was like a four-day event, Unleash the Power Within. And that's the day we walked on hot coals. And I, I thought I was first going to a cult. Day one, I was like, man, this is a cult, looking around at all these weirdos dancing in the seats. <laughs> and then by day two, my husband's like, will you listen? And I was like... Oh, okay. And then I felt like I was in trouble. So then I listened and then all of a sudden I just had this like, whoa, this guy is amazing. Like he's talking common sense stuff that we just do not do. And and so that's when I we signed up for his whole university mastery. And so went to a couple of places around the world, went to a health retreat out in Fiji in a place called Savu Savu, which is funny enough where we live today <laughs> and uh we were, yeah and so it yes that was i guess the start of the personal development journey so um did you do some cruising on the health retreat some some what Cru cruising no <laughs> cruising cruising um i did some cold is yeah. that like another word for colonics? Yeah, that's what that's what he calls it. So I actually have a diploma in oh, colonic. Really? I have a diploma in colonic irrigation um, oh. as one of one of my um, oh, really? feathers in my cap. Yeah, um, I've got a machine out the back. So um, I what I really like about Anthony Robbins in recent years is he's really come into his heart. Um, back then, business you know focused on getting people to change and focused on money, uh, but in the last I'd call it last eight years, I suppose. I've seen a very significant change in him as a human being um, and absolutely amazing. Um, I've done, I did a date with Destiny over in Florida um, and yeah, it's it was an awesome six days. And I come from the basis of looking at a different filter through the events management and the events production because we run events and man i was blown out of the water the way that his team runs those events that's amazing you know apart from the content the content is just mind-blowing but the event setup and how he runs his team is amazing so um in the time that you're in adelaide um obviously business doing well then a rebuild did you invest in property at all yep we had three properties um so Yes, we rented those out, um, lived in one, um, and yeah, it, we just happened to sell in really bad times, but that was because um, we really wanted to move overseas. And yeah. so we wanted to just clean up everything and uh, start anew. Um, but yeah, so we, we were heavily into investing and um, attending courses of you know around property investing and, and that's what got us into having three rental homes so what what property investing courses did you do dempfner boholt 
right? Uh, I think that was her name back then. It's so yeah, long it's, ago. It still is. I was her 2IC for about eight years. Oh, really? Yeah, so I wrote five and a half of her programs um, before I went out on my own. Um, so she taught me what I do. Um, very yes. grateful for the teachings. Um, and I think that's where I'll leave that part of it. What else did you do? <laughs> uh, what else did we do? Uh, I guess just anything we came across, really, right. just our own research. Um, and I guess we took advice from our financial advisor um, as well. And uh, and we had a good relationship with a real estate agent at the time. He was a good friend of ours. And he would, you know, ring us up and say, hey, there's this development. I reckon it's going to end up, you know, growing really fast they're putting in a super school they're putting in this they're putting in that and you know i reckon the property value will go up so we bought out there and uh yeah so i guess it was it was great so what was the step and the decision when what was the decision when he had to go back on the tools that you were going to go and live overseas part-time or full-time was that when it was or what was the what was the turning point to say well we, we want to live outside of australia yeah, so we, um, well, it was kind of the day he came home and he said, oh, I can't see myself doing this business until I'm 75, you know, mm -hmm. and so we need to think smarter and not harder. Um, I don't enjoy the building industry. I'm sick of being on site with people who, you know, don't, I guess, inspire me, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, just uh, so he, he, we ended up just going out there. We tried some online things, you know, things like um, affiliate marketing, some drop shipping on the side. Some we started, a, we joined a network marketing company. Uh, failed miserably at each and every single one of them. I think we made about thirteen dollars a month um, in the network marketing company. I think we made a hundred dollars of an affiliate program, and so we just quit that, um, and then we just got back to what we and that's just business and me working in the government um by then i was only down to three days a week because we were i had become a mum um and so i could cope with three days a week getting in there you know and just getting out right. <laughs> and uh and then we got a, a approach well actually we saw a friend of ours in us in the us who we knew was with a network marketing company that we had been in the one we left and um we saw all of a sudden he was flying all around the world first class lamborghinis you name it and we're like what is he doing like you know has he won the lottery what's happened has he made it in that company and so my husband reached out and said you know what are you up to these days mate life seems to be look awesome and uh and he said that he had left that company and was joined a, a a company that a different company like is under the banner of network marketing but he said completely different like not like anything changing the whole industry because he too was scarred yeah. and um and so yeah he my husband asked me a few questions my husband came home and said hey there's no one in australia doing this it's going to launch here do you want to have a look at it i said absolutely no you join and i'll kill you <laughs> uh and then uh, a week later he came home from work and he said, I ended up joining that company. And I was like, here we go again. Yeah, you scams, you know, like get, as long as this doesn't interfere with the family, go for it. But if it starts to, you know, you're going off to this meeting, and you're doing this and you're doing that, then and then, 
you know, you're not going to do it anymore. Um, and then seven weeks later, um, he hit a position in the company where he was making about $2,000 a month and he qualified for a Mercedes-Benz car. And I thought it was way too good to be true. Where's the catch? And then, yeah, I jumped on a call with the founders of the company. They wanted to meet us, uh, well, meet Mike more than anything. And, uh, and then so we jumped on and I guess I was a bit of a skeptic. And when I met these guys, I was like, oh my God, like they're just not what I expected. The most beautiful, softly spoken, humble people I've ever met. And when they explained why they were doing this, they're billionaires and they don't need a cent and why they are doing it, I don't know, it just really resonated with me and the charity work they do, which I absolutely love to do. So I was like, far out, this, this is this is deal. So yeah, I told a couple of the mums at school about it and then I helped my husband get to like a diamond position in the company within five months, completely retired ourselves, made more money in a month than most people do in a year. And so, so that's when we sold our business. So you sold the business. Um, what's the product? It's natural health supplements. Right. Like, but based on like science and cold press, not, it's not just like some cheap crap with right. uh, fillers and binders and stuff like that. You know, this is like, they, they, they cut no corners with this. So we've got like Olympians and dietitians and naturopaths and doctors who actually recommend it because it's very, like potent kind of stuff right so get yourself up to diamond level in there and you obviously are bringing others on board as well um where's the point where you finally go we're at a point where we no longer need to be in australia and you go yeah so the business was online like because it was really like disrupting the industry we we grew it all online and we you know, all the stuff that everybody hated about network marketing, we just did the complete opposite. And so it grew very fast across 50 countries. And so that's where we decided, we realized that we we, we bought all these fancy cars and we they hadn't even left the garage. And so we're sitting at home working from home and we're like, one day my daughter came home from school and I'd been through hell and back with this private school that she was at with severe bullying. And she came home one day and snot was dripping out of her nose, tears were coming out and she could barely talk. And she said, I want to kill myself. And at that point, I said to my husband, I am fed up with the school system. I'm fed up with these mums and dads that think their children are golden children. I'm sick of society. I'm just sick of everything. I just want to run away and protect my kids and live on an island. And it was kind of a joke <laughs> that turned into me and Mike just Googling one night and we're just Googling. So what would it take to move to an island? Like, is it, is it possible? Like, how could we do it? And like, we've got an income to do it now. So um so we just started googling and researching and then next minute we're on a flight out of there and we came around and had a look and because we, we knew it was going to be fiji because every time we come on a holiday or went on a family holiday because we, we travel all around the world but our favorite place was always fiji so when we got off the plane and that heat just hit you and then the fijians are standing in the airport and they've got their ukuleles out and they're like ding 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 you know and they're like with their big <laughs> smiles you know i was just like oh i love it here it just gave me that feeling and so yeah it just turned from googling into shit this is gonna happen like right. is it gonna happen i don't know like oh, oh it was just 
it was the most overwhelming, scary experience of my life. And we had so many people just say, what the hell are you doing? You're going to a place where the hospital systems are bad. You, you, you're giving your kids, you're taking your kids away from like their families, like dancing lessons, music, whatever they want to do, you know, like in, you know, modern facilities. And, and then I was like, oh my God, they might be right. What if they are right? And so, yeah, it was very scary, but we just thought, you know what? You're born and you die. Let's just give it a go. Worst case scenario, we'll just come back. So did you sell up in Adelaide, your home? or? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we made okay. the decision just to go everything. Let's yep. just, I don't have to worry about anything. So, and, uh, you know, initially we were buying a resort, so we needed the money. So to live here because um, I'm under 45, uh, you have to invest into the country to live here. You, they only class you as retired if you're 45 and over. So even though we're technically semi-retired, um, I can't live here without a business. So we had to come in as investors. Um, and so we put an offer in on a resort. It got accepted. Um, we moved. And then basically from there, by the time we got here, it we went through hell and back corruption you name it things changing what they said wasn't real um so we pulled out of that and then now we just actually live here so but so, we've got, how, so you so you got over there on a contract of buying a resort and that what it was compared to what it turned out to be were two very different things you pulled out but you're still not 45 so how did you stay there well Luckily, no one, I shouldn't probably say this on live, but it's, no, no one's really said, <laughs> no one's really said anything yet. Do we have to hold this podcast for another five years until you turn 45? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on, what am I now? 43, two years. <laughs> so, uh, oh, no, uh, well, at the moment, we've been blessed with, I guess, you know, I guess they're pretty cruisy here um, yeah. and COVID has really got them thinking other things right now uh, i think we're the least of their worries we're still bringing money into the country which is what they desperately need right now yes. um and so we've decided what we want to do here is so yeah we're looking at two lands at the moment two pieces of land the land we're on now so it's 130 acres of rainforest beachfront uh been living here now for three years and so we're we've decided that this is the piece of land so i guess the, the plan is now to just build a the dream home build a, a few villas and a conference center so that we because tony robbins doesn't really do much here anymore so he's about 30 minutes from us yep. um and namali doesn't really do it any of that anymore um and so we've got a big network across 50 countries we've started another company called the lifestyle company right. and what we want to try and do is we're going to start like the lifestyle retreats where we talk about the six areas of life and we bring in keynote speakers from all around the world and we touch a bit on business, health, relationships, connection, personal growth, skill set, contribution, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, and so that's how we're going to get around us, maybe run two or three events a year mm -hmm. and then the rest of the year we can just live happily uh, here and, in you know, the, everything can be used for other things, you know, the conference room for yoga, for other people on the island to use as a wedding or so yep. yeah so that's what the plan is the long-term plan for here i'll be keen to speak at those events if you've got an opening for me um tell me the the have you worked out 
well, give me an understanding of what, um, you know, a block of land would be worth over there and have you costed building the place? So, uh, well, I mean, it varies. I mean, we've got, a, there's a lot of um, expat community here, um, Americans, New Zealand's, Australians primarily. Yeah. Um, everything is based in US dollars. Um, and I mean, a house on, you know, maybe, you know, under an acre, maybe half yeah. an acre to an acre could be, you know, 300,000 uh, US to, you know, a million US. Mm -hmm. uh, the block of land that we're on um, is probably 2.4. Yep. That's what he's asking. Uh, and then we would have to build on top of that, put in, you know, and there's obviously a lot of work to be done here. That's all sure. rainforest and we've got to put in roads and plumbing and you name it. So it's not uh, cheap, uh, but labor's cheap though. Yes. So as a consideration of someone over the age of 45, if I wanted to move to Fiji and rent, you know, a, a smaller house or a house on a one acre block. That. What sort of what sort of cost am I looking at on a weekly basis for rent? You would be looking at around about. I mean, depends what night you know the type of house you want. If you're happy with just like a shack, yep. uh, it might be five hundred Fiji in a month, which is about uh, like it's it's not a lot of money at all. <laughs> so seven fifty a month. Right. Yeah, so it okay. could be about a thousand a thousand. Uh, to one and a half thousand a month. Right, that's in Fijian. Yes. What does that translate to roughly in Australian dollars? Uh, so I guess if I was, so I guess my family sent over a hundred dollars for my daughter the other day, and it equated to about one hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, so looking uh, at Fijian. Yeah, so looking at about five hundred Australian. So looking at about three hundred to five hundred Australian to rent a house. Yeah. That's yeah, not it's not. It's, yeah, I mean that's no, for something Josh. simple. It could it yeah, it could be a little bit more depending. Like if you go to Denarau in the mainland in Nandi, yeah. and you yeah. get the big the big mansions with the you know the infinity edge pool at the front of your house, you know it might be a couple of thousand Fijian a month. Um, still, I mean, you you go to Fiji, if you're going to leave Australia, go to Fiji. It's for the simple life. Um, for, for the first bit anyway. You know, it's about sort of deconstructing what what's being constructed in your life somewhere overseas um you... that's exactly right that, that's one thing that we noticed like when in australia we had you know my husband had an aston martin a h1 hummer we had a merc we had like a nice house on the beachfront and yet i mean we're happy people we we mm. have got a grand fantastic family unit where we you know love each other to bits um and but all those things were a real adrenaline rush and it was more to say oh my god like you know growing up poor you go oh my god i can have these things now and it's, so it's kind of like you go out and you buy all these things and you realize that they don't make you any more happier because i'm already happy yep. and then you realize you're yeah. doing it to keep up with other people and then and i just and it's this rat race that you get in of who's got what and what car and what brand you're wearing and in the end i was going mental you know i got to a point i was buying I bought accidentally bought two of the same dresses because I forgot I'd already bought it, and that's that. I've got a problem, like, and this is out of control. And so Mike and I selling absolutely everything and coming over here has like amazing. I'm around 
the probably some of the poorest people in the world and they are the happiest people in the world and you know we've had COVID hit us here so people have lost all their jobs we have had two huge cyclones completely wipe out this island um, a good chunk of the island and yet people are still laughing and singing in the streets and just you know mike and i went around and obviously mike being a builder went and helped a few people you know put their roofs back on and um you know sheets of tin you yep. know things like that and it's just um they're resilient people they're happy people and and they're the type of people i wanted my children to grow up around not what's going on it's, it's one of the lessons yeah it's one of the lessons that hurt that came to me you know I, I end up going down the road of becoming a big block developer and um i woke up one mm. morning suicidal and i and it was because wow. i thought i thought money would make me happy and it actually mm. made, made me more unhappy and it's something i say when i'm on stage all the time you know if money if, if you think the money's going to make you happy you, you're in a bit of a problem dilemma here because um money doesn't make you happy because if money made you happy um then people in Fiji would be very unhappy, you know, because... Exactly. Money, money for me, what we teach people is money just amplifies who you are. Yep. So, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on here, but... You can say, <laughs> you're like... the biggest fucking asshole in the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my husband always says, if you're a wanker and you come into money, you just become a bigger wanker. You know, it's like, yep. if you're a good person and you come into money, you just become a better person. And that's I think right. that's... You know, that's the type of people, you know, it's been able to, what it's been able to do for us and other people and our loved ones and our family. And, you know, I remember we gave Mike's mum and dad who are just adorable human beings. You know, they live, they live in the same house they built in the 70s. It's like, and it's still got the same decor mm. and they, they never go anywhere or do anything. And they're the first to just jump up and do anything for me and Mike. And so we gave him a check for 20 grand and sent him on a holiday. And that is the best feeling in the world. And to be able to do charity work over here in Fiji, I do bra drives for the women. We did footy boots. We did, um, you know, when the cyclone hit, Mike and I went around and gave food to five villages here for Christmas Day, uh, like a ton of food, like a whole ute full <laughs> yep. and each. And, um, and just being able to do that now is just, I don't know, it's just, it's just a whole different experience. Like money, yeah, money is really just nothing if you, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what I, and, and it's the reason, it's the reason I got you on the podcast because I've been sitting back in the last few months going, is, you know, we're running a business and we, we've got a very big passion to reshape housing in Australia. And, but there's just days where you just feel like the whole world's fighting against you and you just go, just keep sitting on an island somewhere and be, much happier and i'll not have to push back yeah there's probably a little bit of corruption here and there and everywhere but at least you can pay for that and just move on um exactly what, <laughs> what, what um what about the school for kids like what do, what do your kids do for school yeah so they um were we, we when we got here we put them into the local village school for one year uh that was for socializing um i guess getting to know the community ourselves like we we moved here for the fijian community not, not for the expat community even though we have some fantastic times with them and uh it's, it's fantastic all the walks of life that are here and hearing everybody's stories of how we all ended up here is just mind-blowing the people you meet here phenomenal but uh we put them into school just for that you know just to get to know everyone and be part of community and get the kids some friends because that's the big thing that we thought the kids would miss out on is a social skill the social aspect yeah. um so they did a year there it was 
it was fun. Uh, they learnt a lot. Um, you know, they I probably I've never I've combed out quite a few nits in the in that time in that year, and we put some toilet seats on the toilet so the kids could go to the toilet. Uh, um, we you know their books were mainly empty uh, it was a bit of a challenge um but otherwise it was a really good experience and i would never it was the best thing ever but now what we do is after that year we kind of went okay well you know we're not big people on school we're more like life skills and business and you know our kids learn that from an early age but um but they still have to do something because what if they want to go down a path that does involve schooling? So we have to give them some level of education and a, de a decent level of education. So now they do open access uh, in Adelaide. Um, so their teachers are in Australia and they log on at their school timetable uh, times and they, they're in a class of about six kids. And yeah, they just get taught online. And then what we do is we have a young girl who comes here between 9.30 and 3. She looks after our kids in our guest house. That's where the schooling's done. And yeah, then they come home at 3.30. They come home for lunch and then yep. they come home at school and that's it. How awesome. How awesome. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've told us the future there. Is that set? You, you know, is it a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year? Like is... The I'd say five-year plan. Right. Okay. Absolutely. At this stage, yes. Obviously, there's a lot of unknowns in the world right now, and so we're just we're just, I guess, waiting and sitting back a little bit right now and seeing what's going on. Uh, we have a couple of business ideas of you know what we'd like to do here, and I love events. Like I'm a real. That's what I did in the government for so many years, you know, with the Clipsal 500 and things like that, and I was heavily involved in organising all that. So I can't wait to start piecing together some lifestyle events here um and you know so that's what my goal is to build a spa the retreat the the lifestyle people come here and just go wow we we do some pretty cool stuff um but the other um the other business idea i guess that we're working on at the moment with a guy in the us is you know he's got a bunch of billionaires uh, uh, he's so he owns a company where billionaires want to go on holiday and they want off the grid experiences. They don't want to stay in a five star resort. Yep. And so what he's asking us to do is, will you guys be the guys that I send these guys to in Fiji? And will you guys give these guys a pretty good time and show them the cultural experience? And um, and Mike and I've got plenty of contacts here now. You know, we could start it next week if we wanted to. Um, you know, it, with, we've got the boats, we've got the contact with the villagers, we've got, you know, the staff to run the Lovos, the in-ground cooking, you know, just everything. We could tee this up pretty fast. So um, it's going to be called Immersion. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's getting pieced together right now. And I guess, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's on how it's going to look when COVID opens up. So, yeah, we're really just sitting back, waiting to see what's going on. And then we can, I guess, pull the trigger. So what drives you? Why? What drives me? Oh, I just, I guess one of the biggest things that happened to me, I guess, at that Unleash the Power Within and I guess the journey through, uh, I guess, uh, the success in our businesses is what's possible um, and the limit we put on ourselves of what we think, um, you know, the, the, I guess that ceiling we all give ourselves as to we, we think we can only get to here. This is life. Uh, and when I lifted that ceiling and I got a taste of that and I realised, wow, there's just so much more. And 
I wanted more and that I wanted more. And so I guess I've continually strived and getting out of the comfort zone and doing things I never in a million years thought I'd ever do. Um, and then seeing what's on the other side of that and then helping other people achieve the same things. And that drives me. I love helping people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what would what advice would you have to someone like me who's thinking maybe I should just go? You know, you, you, there's one thing that I can tell you that's for certain right now is that you will die just like me. We're all going to we're going to be there one day. So, you know, we can sit here and live in or oh, what if, what if, or, you know, you know, but what about this? But what, you know, and I just say do it. Do it. What is, I mean, you go, even if you say, look, I'll do it for a year. Let's just go over there, live for a year, give it a go, see what it's like, experience a bit of culture. You know, if you've got, if you're in real estate and you've got a house to come back to, then why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, so it's like, you know, different than for me going from, say, Melbourne to Adelaide or Adelaide to Queensland. Um, it's just, a, it's really just a decision and then making it happen. And I would say do it. It's the best thing I've ever, ever done in my life. And it inspires so many people. And, uh, you know, if you're a speaker and you're out there, then, I mean, you know, you need to walk the talk, you know. You need to go do what other people look up to you for and inspire them. And so go out there and do it and just show them everything is possible. I think you're going to see me sooner rather than later, um, that's for sure. Um, you know, so I just want to thank you for telling us about you, your life and decisions and helping me probably make a decision um, sooner rather than later as well. So thank you. It's great. And uh, I mean, we're in, we're not on the mainland. So you've got Nandi and Suva and that's where you fly into Nandi. Yep. So you'd catch a small plane out to us. Yep. Um, so look up Savu Savu. It's a fantastic place, safe, clean, beautiful, uh, great expat community. Yacht Club, where all the all of us locals, you know, just head down and you know we we've just have a ball together. And uh, all the yachties come in at certain times of the year, and then you meet even more people. Yep. And uh, oh, it's just it's just you know it's a place. Where, I, I said to my husband the other day when we went back to Australia a year ago, um, we actually just got back here in time. I think three days later they cut off the border, and I walked through uh, the Westfield Shopping Centre. And I, as I've got the sliding doors opened, I got in, I parked in the car park, the sliding doors opened. As I walked in, a lady came out at me and I smiled. I said, hi. And she went. <laughs> and like looked at me like, and then I realized, oh, I'm not in Fiji anymore. And so that was my big thing where I go, oh, my God, I miss home already. Just day one of walking into yep. the shops. Because here, my mouth hurts and my hand gets sore from all the bullers and the smiles. And you just, everywhere you like, the, you know, just on the road, you pick up people, put them in your ute, you take them to the, to the villages, you heading home anyway. It's, it's just different. And yep. it just, you just become a happier person for it. So, yeah, definitely got to do it. You've got to do it. <laughs> I'm on it. So, Thanks for joining us today um, and looking forward, Rebecca Simon, to seeing some change in the next five years for you. Thank you so much for having me on. Lovely to meet you. So there you go, Rebecca Simon, who's taken her whole family, moved it away from Australia into Fiji and found herself as happy, if not more happier, with a small grin hurting her face every time she's talking to all the locals and bulla. So you might see me over there very soon as well. Follow us on all the social media channels and you can get more information at ianugate.com.au. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast. We hope we've succeeded in our goal to inspire and challenge you. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Small Talk Big Ideas with Ian Ugarte.